Why does knowledge free us? Because as we know more, we recognize that what we desire, hate, love, take pleasure or find pain in, has been the result of chance and accidental association and conditioning. To know this is to break the association. We recognize that pleasure and pain arise from our power and perfection. As self-moving, self-preserving beings, we do not blame others, we do not blame ourselves. Envy, hate and guilt, therefore, vanish. External causes are not hindrances, for if they are real, the wise man knows them to be necessary and not to treat them as hindrances. He is therefore not frustrated. The joy of the man who has freed himself through knowledge of nature and of himself as part of nature is happiness. A genuine virtue is simply the realization of this state in which knowledge, freedom and happiness are combined. The possession of freedom in Spinoza's sense is of course compatible with being unable to do a great many things, provided that it's impossible that what hinders and prevents one should be altered. Spinoza thinks it's impossible that one should rage against what could not be otherwise, for one can frame no conceptual of the impossible and hence cannot desire it. And if it's impossible that things should be other than they are, we cannot possibly desire that they should be. If we do desire, we are irrational, and our desire is not informed by genuine knowledge and adequate ideas. About this, Spinoza is clearly wrong. Knowledge is not a sufficient condition of being free, but it is often a necessary condition. I am not free merely because I get what I want, if I am not free to understand the causes and natures of my wants and reassess them. Spinoza's first great importance is that he sees the emotions and desires not as merely given, but as transformable. Aristotle had envisaged us as controlling and ordering our emotions and desires, but for Spinoza, human nature appears even more malleable and transformable, and the largest transformation is that from being patients to being agents and from being those whose lives are determined by factors of which they are unaware, to being those who are moulded by themselves. The development of human powers becomes the end of the moral and political life. In this light, both politics and theology are reinterpreted. Spinoza agrees with Hobbes in seeing the need for the state as arising from the fact that all men pursue their own interests and seek to extend their own power. But for Hobbes, the reasoning which justifies me in handing over myself and my rights to the sovereign is purely negative. Only thus shall I escape being overpowered and killed by others. For Spinoza, obedience to the sovereign is justified because thus civil order is procured and men are left free to pursue knowledge and self-liberation. Spinoza agrees with Hobbes in equating having a right to with having the power to, but he has quite a different picture of what enlightened men have the power to do and desire to do. It is not just that they desire an end of hate, envy and frustration in themselves, but they will be gravely impeded unless they can diminish hate, envy and frustration in others. Spinoza's enlightened man is therefore cooperative with others in the search for knowledge, and this cooperation is based not on fear, as all cooperation in Hobbes is, 
but on a common interest in the goods of self-knowledge and knowledge. Thus, although Spinoza confuses having a right to with having the power to, as much as Hobbes does, his picture of society is not disturbed in the same way, just because he recognises human goals of a different kind. The state is for Spinoza at best a means. Politics is an activity to procure the prerequisites for the pursuit of rationality and freedom. Spinoza is thus the first philosopher to make central to ethics two concepts which are defined to express the distinctly new values of modern society, those of freedom and reason.